0: Welcome to episode 38 of Miles and Pints, the Travel and Beer Podcast. I'm Derek Dye. And I'm Jeff Brownson. And together, we're drinking our way through this amazing world one pint at a time. Whether you love to travel, you love a cold local beer, or you just can't get enough of either, you're listening to the right podcast. That's what we're here to talk about.
1: Our guest today is Patrick Steffens from Lost Barrel Brewing in Middleburg, Virginia. If you missed the first half of our conversation with Patrick, go back and listen to episode 37 first. But in this episode, we pick right back up with how ratings and reviews influence the beers that are brewed at Lost Barrel. Then we talk a bit more about the business end of things, get Patrick's views on craft brewing in Loudoun County and beyond, and talk about some of Patrick's favorite places to travel
0: for beer and relaxation. Before we get to that interview, though, let's take a minute to thank our regular listeners. Without you, We'd just be talking to ourselves. If you haven't already, click that button to subscribe to the show so you won't miss anything we have coming down the line. We want to send a big thanks out to Visit Loudon and
1: the Loco Ale Trail for sponsoring this episode. If you haven't made it out to experience the beer scene in Loudon County yet, we don't know what you're waiting for. We can't drink all this great beer
0: ourselves. And now, after a quick word from our sponsor, let's get to the good part. Sit back, relax, crack open your favorite brew, and enjoy our chat with Patrick.
2: This episode is brought to you by Visit Loudon, the tourism office for the Loco Ale Trail. With 35 breweries and counting, Loudon County is one of the most vibrant craft beer destinations in the U.S., Visit Loudon invites you to hit the Loco Ale Trail, which connects the urban breweries of Sterling and Ashburn in the east to everything from bespoke taprooms and historic towns to farm breweries with stunning Blue Ridge Mountain views out west. Grab your Ale Trail passport to collect stamps, win prizes, and say cheers in Loudon beer country. For more, check out visitloudon.org.
1: Especially on Untapped, if you're up in the like four and a quarter to four and a half on a beer, you're like, that's like <laughs> God's, God's <test>. nectar, yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that. Yeah, that doesn't happen. And if you're in a three seven five, that might be a really <laughs> good beer, right? So, so the the scale gets
3: uh, skewed on some of the uh, rating sites is the point there. And and like I said, I'm I'm guilty of it also. So now when I now because I'm aware of this when I go on some of the sites I'll try to sling some of the other guys like five stars if I like if I go to another brewery and I'm like man this beer is awesome I'm, dude I'm just gonna give you five stars like why is five stars re, like reserved for like God's nectar that like you've never tasted before and
0: I've been uh, I've been on untapped for gosh almost 10 years now I think I was one of the first users and I have my own liberal grading system I guess but uh, miles and pints listeners can adopt my system if they want but yeah. 4.0 for me, me is a great beer yeah four and a quarter is something i will seek out at a beer store if i see it i'm buying it even if my beer fridge is full yeah four and a half and above is you go and ask what the limit is to buy and you know if they say four cases you buy it and then you figure out how to get rid of it later but uh, you know I, and I mean, you're right I mean you drink it right? yeah, I mean, you, drink you, it, you it. It. <laughs> pass it out with friends you know things like that I, I agree with you to a certain de- certain degree you know without a uniform grading system on those places I love Untapped to seek out beers but some, some people's 4.0 is other people's 5.0 it's also right. some people's so you don't really know. But I will say, and I don't think Jeff and I have ever covered it on the podcast, but if there's anything you can take away from this, uh, our listeners, you should leave reviews, honest reviews, of all the breweries you visit. People read it, and they respond to it. I agree. And you should give honest feedback on on your beers on untapped. And if you give a low-grading or a high-grading, leave an explanation in the comments. You're going to read that, right? And be like, oh, well, you know what? Maybe you know, maybe the coconut porter didn't have enough coconut flavor. You know, I mean, things like that. I totally agree. And I will tell you that
3: it is especially frustrating if you get – it's a two-star review. And no, explanation no explanation at all. No explanation That's at all. That's
1: the worst.
3: Yeah, and, and so I, I agree. If you can leave a, a, just a little bit of an explanation – um, that will help us because we actually do take it seriously. There, there's another thing that we do to try to also course correct if we have things that are going, you know, sideways here. And we have our aside from the review system, the peer review system um, and the crowdsourcing apps, uh, we we track our own. Uh, I call it the chug rate uh, of how our beers are selling, how, like how many kegs we're kicking over time. It's uh, in the previous. Life in a previous career. I was a big data geek. You know, um, I spent time in the IT industry, and so I brought some of that into this business, where we are tracking at a very, at a very uh, detailed level, the beer that we're producing, the beer that's going into the tap room, and then the beer coming out of the tap room, and the rate at which we're kicking those kegs, if that makes sense. And so I can see this trending over time, and I can see the statistical outliers. I can see the ones that are doing really good and I can see the middle of the pack and I can see the losers in, in that. And so then the name of the game there, if we're, if we're doing a, a data di- driven approach, as far as how we course correct our uh, our brewing operations and our product offering, is we look at those middle of the pack and low performers and we start saying, what can we do to swap those out with new things? And then we get back to the creative pursuit part of the business, which is like, okay, let's get creative with something that could take the place of something that is a underperformer.
0: And and I'm assuming that's how you uh, create your sort of quote unquote flagship beers, right? I mean, absolutely. The IPA, you put it on tap and it's, it, it, flows out consistently for two or three months, you know that you have a market for that and you can brew it as long as you want. Absolutely, and that trickles into our distribution strategy
3: also. So we're working with Hop and Wine as our distribution partner. Um, they are a local distributor here. Uh, they, they're based out of Chantilly. Um, so they have a large warehouse there and they're starting to get our beer into uh, uh, local beer shops, um, some grocery stores, some local bars and restaurants and things like that. But, you know, you have to imagine going into that strategy, it's, it's like, what are the beers that we're going to try to push out into the market? Well, that's the first place. Well, we look at untapped, we look at reviews and things like that, but we also look at our own data as far as what are we pushing here? What are the most popular beers here? What do we think could be the most popular beers outside of these four walls?
1: And as we sit here talking about this and knowing that this is a working horse farm, all I can picture in my head, and I'm no matter what you say, I'm going to believe this is how it works. Is you have the data hooked up to uh, everyone's seen those carnival games where the horses go along the track, and yes. you have to hit the water in the thing, or you have to throw, roll the ball, and each one the horse goes a little farther. So in, I, I believe that somewhere here on property you have one of those, and that's <laughs> your beer as it flows out, the little horse goes a little farther along, and that's, that's the only way I can see that you could possibly track this. Believe it or not, it, it's, you're not far off. It actually kind of looks like that. It is like a leaderboard
3: style thing where you can see uh, what, what, um, what people are drinking and what they're not drinking, just based off of the rate at which we're going through that beer in our own tap room.
0: So you told us later today the hazy IPA will be canned. And Unless that, we drink it all before uh, then. Well, we're working on it, and we've made a pretty good dent in the uh, barrel already, I think. But other than this, uh, surprise for your customers, what else do you have coming down the line this summer? I've got a few new things that we're working
3: on right now. These are all going to be new new releases that we do over the summer. I'm working on a Hefeweizen, which is going to be like a cucumber-lime Hefeweizen. I'm working on different, like, Recipes where we can incorporate some of the things that we're growing on site here or locally sourced fruits and vegetables into some of our beers. Cause that's a big part of being an agricultural uh, farm brewery. So on the docket, if I just go down the, the list, cucumber, lime, hefeweizen, wheat beer. We're working on a wild berry sour ale. The sours are very popular beers. I'd say as, as far as the craft beer community goes you could sort of draw parallel lines between the the hop heads and the the sour uh, fans and we haven't had many sours out here we've just did a couple experimental things so but we're gonna we we had some success with that so we're gonna we're, we're gonna um hit that a little bit harder and and have a sour beer option out here
1: are you able to get uh, local wild berries in the yeah. summer here too? So yeah, everyone's yeah. still sticking with that local theme. It,
3: yeah. So as far yeah as far as how we infuse these flavors into the beer, we're we're working with um, local farmers. We're going to local farmers markets. I mean, we're we're trying to do do our best to keep locally sourcing some of these ingredients. So if we can't grow it here, the next step is can we source it locally? And then the next step after that is, well, where, where do we have to source it from? Um, we're taking our farmhouse ale and we're going to do, uh, some, some fruity twists on that, like a raspberry blueberry kind of twist on our light farmhouse ale, which is part of the flight that, that we had here. Um, and then I'm looking at, uh, different, uh, beers that, that highlight different hops. So I'm uh, the, the one that I have at the very top of my list is the Amarillo hop. I love Amarillo hops. I, I, I incorporate them in a lot of our hop-forward beers because they have a very unique tropical and citrusy kind of flavor. But I, I feel like they're not as well represented as like the Citra hops citra, or the mosaic. Cascade, cascade. Mosaic. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Um, they're in that same lane, but I, I feel like they're not. They don't get as much airtime I, I don't know how to describe it, but you know, they, they don't get as much um, uh, respect as, as some of the other C hops like cascades or citrus or things like that, or some of the Simcoes or, or um, Chinook. Yeah. Chinook. Yeah. And so um, I'm looking at doing like, a, you know, kind of a light, crisp pale ale, but with um, a load of <laughs> Amarillo hops to, to make it kind of like a session IPA, but all in the, um, uh all, the the name of the game being let's try some of these things and for some of the beers that that we have on our menu right now like how could we swap them out keep things fresh keep things interesting
0: is that going to be like some type of hop series are you going to use the same beer and and rotate hops is it going to be a single hop series what's the thought plan you know that's a good idea it's it's an evolving
3: thought plan Uh Um, so (laughs) as as we get different ideas as i bounce ideas off of our our brew team and off, off of you guys frankly um we can uh We can do fun things like try out, you know, maybe the same recipe with different hops and and, and see how those goes, uh, see how that goes, and maybe do like a whole summer series, summer, fall series of like, these are different hops that we're trying to highlight in our beers.
0: As mentioned previously, Jeff and I are really good at quality control. So, (laughs) uh, when you come up with these brilliant ideas, we're more than happy to uh, make sure they're okay for public consumption. Yes, we
1: can test them for you. Appreciate that. I can say I I really enjoy single hop beers and people, or breweries and the public. I assume because that's what breweries make. Um, really loves combining the hops and getting all these different flavors, and there's three, four, five different hop styles in it. Mm -hmm. But I, I don't know, I I guess I'm a weirdo a little bit because although I might not love the flavor that that hop gives, I love that I know that it's that hop and that's where the flavor is coming from. So I will drink a beer that's a single hop because I can identify it as that hop, and I will drink its brother that is the different hop Sure. And it may not be as good as if you mixed six hops, but I like it better. I don't know if that makes sense or if I'm just completely crazy.
3: This is the fun thing about craft beer brewing is that um, even for us on the operation side, where we're trying to put together a production schedule and, and certain beers that we want to release at certain times because we have a whole strategy and yada, 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 we still want to do creative things that people will appreciate And part of that is um, highlighting certain flavor profiles, right? So if you're, um, even if it's not a a long-term staple thing that that we're going to keep on the menu for forever, there's a lot of value in brewing a beer that is like all Simcoe hops, let's say, because it is... For for our customers who are a little more savvy on craft beer, they'll appreciate that because they'll they're in the same they have the same sentiment that that you have as far as I, I can kind of pick out that that exact flavor profile and then maybe when I try other things now my palate knows what that Simcoe hop tastes like and I can sort of pick that out when it's blended with other stuff. It's also beneficial for me and for our staff, right? Yeah. We're like we're doing the same thing. We're just taking a more analytical. Uh, angle to it but we're um you know we're tasting smash beers right that's what they call them single malt and single hop smash for those that are not not familiar with that and that really gives you a good idea of what uh, one type of malt and what type of hop bring to the table and it's in it's inspiring in how you then blend those with other hops to create different flavor profiles.
0: And I think when you get into the, you know, the beer geek side of, of hops, uh, which I absolutely love, I think that world of beer making is where you really see the similarities between all other types of liquid. Uh, coffee, for example, wine. So in wine, a Bordeaux blend is one of the, you know, typically the most expensive blend you can find. Sure, blend- People love them because you blend out the imperfections from the different grapes. But there's something to be said in wine for trying the different varietals alone where there are some of those imperfections Mm -hmm. and you really figure out, do I like that grape or do I not? It's the same with hops. When you blend them together, you can really take out and hide, mask, whatever you want to call it, those imperfections. When you have a single hop in a glass, there's going to be some of the you know whatever the negative qualities are bitterness uh, dryness whatever uh, but your your consumer even if they're not a beer geek they will try that and they'll be like ooh I like that or mm, I don't know sure. and and once they say you know what you know when you're focusing on a hop series or a single hop series people like. I like Amarillo or I like Citra or I like Chinook or, you know, fill in the blank, uh, Cascade hops. And all of a sudden, they go seek it out and, you know, all of a sudden, you know, there's an explosion of a certain type of hop like Centennial a few years ago.
3: Yeah, and we don't want people to be intimidated by craft beer. At the end of the day, right? And so some of these things that we're trying to do, they can be intimidating to people that are, they don't know what they're drinking. I don't know what an Amarillo hop is. I don't know what a Citra hop, I don't, like, you know, if they're they're coming in cold to this. So you know, part of the experimentation is bringing people on this journey with you, right? Like try to give them something uh, that leads them down the rabbit hole to other craft beers, other hop styles, uh, hopping uh uh, combinations and things like that, that that you were talking about so that the next time when they come around now they they feel a little more it's a little more inclusive now they now they know a little bit more every time they they revisit they know a little bit more about um the the hop varieties what those uh, flavors bring to the table. And then when they go out to other places, now they feel a little bit more educated. It's just kind of taking the edge off. It doesn't feel like
0: a secret club anymore. They (laughs) don't don't know the secrets, right? Like what the heck is double dry hopped mean? I don't know.
3: One of my pet peeves, and I'll just share this with you guys, is that that, um, many craft beer brewers like to proclaim that craft beer is a community all-inclusive type business Um, there it it is a creative pursuit we want we want to use the beer as an opportunity to bring people together and um, you know drink good beer have good conversation etc right and then this is where the the pet peeve comes in and then you look at their menu board and it's like this is triple unicorn dust upside down IP. Pa with six letters <laughs> that you don't know what they mean. Yeah, it's like, yeah. Oh, what is that? Right. So if you're if you're in the know, I, I think they're doing it unconsciously, right? So I give them the ben- I give everybody the benefit of the doubt. They're they're saying one thing that we want this to be all inclusive, and then they're 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 tailoring their menu to exclusivity, right? And we're trying to sort of reverse that a little bit, like like let's let's get people included in a thoughtful way and then bring them on this journey of like now you know what you know galaxy dust ipa means you know if, if if that's uh if that's what we put on the menu you know um and everybody comes from a good place i i understand that everybody comes from a good place but that that's one thing i've noticed in the industry is like oh yeah this is you know come one come all
1: and then they it's just an indecipherable menu and i think part of that is the brewers and the owners of so many craft breweries are so excited about beers and so excited about that and they forget that everyone doesn't have that same knowledge. And we see it in the, on the travel side of things, that like Will, my wife will look at a post in one of, uh, like in Travel on Points, Derek's Mm -hmm. Facebook group and she'll be like I don't understand any of what that is saying because it'll be like the CSP to fly LH first, (laughs) LHF to MUC and she's like what do those letters mean? I'm like oh well that's the Chase Sapphire preferred to fly Lufthansa first over to Munich obviously and she's like no that's not what that says
3: might as well be speaking Chinese right? Absolutely. And it it actually this is something I, I don't mean to put this on others like I'm guilty of this too right i think a lot of people in craft beer is the further they get into it the less perspective they have on you know uh, like folks that are not familiar with it so having a, an ownership team here and a partner partnership uh where not everybody in the ownership team is the diehard the craft big, beer fan. some of them are they're, horse they're people <laughs> giving me a little bit of balance and, and saying like hey if you like you gotta you gotta walk this back a little bit and maybe make it a little bit more approachable for folks that are just coming out to the farm to have a good time with their family well,
0: and you know I mean th- to your point I consider myself a beer geek I live and breathe beer and I have you know for 15 plus years even I am lost with a lot of you know what's a cry- uh, cryo hop you know? Right. Um, what, <laughs> what the heck? I, I don't I don't understand it. And then you get into double dry hopped and then wet hopping and... Don't and feel it, bad. I barely understand yeah, what it means. It, I mean, and I'm in it. And I'm I was
1: out with it. friends the other day and they, the one beer was... I don't even remember what the initials were but there were four initials after it and I was like... I, like, I... I'm pretty sure the D H is dry hopped. The C might be cryo. I don't know what that other C is. It was like I've never seen all those letters together before. All of,
0: all of our, all of a sudden, our beers at your local brewery have like five professional degrees. You know, they're they're all initials with commas after their name. It's like, it's like what the hell oh, does that mean?
3: Yeah, this is a you know open community. Come one, come all. We we like to bring everybody together. But by the way, you need a PhD in craft beer to decipher
1: our menu. You know? M S PhD. <laughs>
3: So anyway, that, you know that that's something that we're trying to be um, cognizant of as, as we get into this. And and uh, you know, uh, believe me, guys, for me this is it, it's it's hard for me also because I'm I'm in the thick of it. I'm, I'm a craft beer guy, just just like you guys are, and I know what the cryo hops are, and I know what the different varieties are. And and sometimes I have to walk that back a little bit and say, you know, for somebody that is not totally consumed their life is not totally consumed with craft beer, like how would they perceive this uh, this menu and this description and things like that. And I,
1: I get text messages all the time from people that just send me a beer list and say, what should I drink? Sure. And I say, <laughs> order this. Or, and sometimes I'm like, wow, that's a really good beer list. Now think about that. <laughs> but so like, they, I know what styles you like, so drink this and this. And that, that question was so hard. They had to phone a friend. Like, yeah, <laughs> right. But they say, I mean, if you go to a place and their tap list has 12 different craft beers and they all have descriptions with letters and the hop, you have no idea what any of that tastes like. If you drink uh, a person, for example, who will be a guest soon on the podcast, uh, is a huge Coors Light fan. That's what he drinks at home. And he goes out to a bar and he'll shoot me a text and be like, "Yeah, what should I drink off this menu?" And I'll be like, You're, "This one's solid. Get this." I, I'm a huge proponent, and this
3: this is part of the you know the leadership style that I try have tried to instill here. I'm I'm a huge uh, proponent for uh, operating on a certain level of empathy uh, for folks that you know may not may not be uh, in the same realm as far as their experience with you know craft beer and the the whole operation and stuff i don't want to turn those folks off i want them to feel welcomed right um that's that's a tough line to toe but we're trying yeah
0: and i and to your pet peeve earlier and we're i'm going on a tangent here but one of my pet peeves is in addition to confusing people with the types of beer this it's like an arms race to come up with the most creative name for a beer you know like Unicorn farts. Really? <laughs> Who comes up with that name and says, "Wow, that's a that's a drink people want to pay a lot of money for and enjoy." You know, and N- people
1: go nuts for that. You the, can't get unicorn farts. Exactly. <laughs> you can't get it. Yeah. yeah.
0: So, can, can we just go back to calling it Hazy IPA? Two and a half The farmhouse. On, on yeah. On top. <laughs> uh, uh, yeah. Uh, that's that's definitely my pet peeve. Just just come up with a simple name. Or and, and to your point, to not confuse people, just call it what it is. This is our oatmeal stout. What's wrong with that? Yeah. And,
3: uh, well, that's that's where we've landed as far as our, our strategy here. Just, you know, coming, f- like, fresh out of the gate and trying to, uh, you know, attract new customers to a new business, you know, just coming out of COVID, et cetera. Um, I, I, I firsthand know how difficult it can be when it comes to branding strategy because we've, we're going through it right now. And... The, the good and the bad of it is that there are 8,000-some breweries in the U.S. right now, and they're all run by very creative people. And you who, type that name uh, in, and yeah, it pops
1: up as six other beers it, with yeah. that name. And I mean, like, it, oh, it's, it's like, like Bob's name.
3: Burgers, right? Like the, It's like the, the menu board on Bob's Burgers, like every kind of clever name every clever pun anything like that it's probably taken it's probably taken 10 times over and that's very difficult to to work through so so as far as branding as a new craft beer brewery um, that's something that we have to navigate too is if like let's say that we have a beer that is um you know if it if it sells well in our tap room and our customers like it that is wonderful if it has potential on the next level where maybe we can get it out into stores, we can package it into cans, get it into uh, on shelves somewhere, now we start getting into a branding um, uh, strategy there where we could get in trouble if our... You know, the naming and the packaging are too similar to other beers that are mm-hmm. out in
1: commerce, and then you bring the trademark lawyers into the whole yeah. thing. So it, don't put a, a farting thing. don't put a farting unicorn on it. <laughs> right? A, can't do that. That's been done. Yeah, but that
3: I mean that's that's a real um, that's a real issue that we have to, to to work through when it comes to our branding strategies, is, is if we think that something has legs and could be a brand outside of these four walls, we have to make sure that we don't run into roadblocks with other very creative breweries that that have, have, have
0: sort of branded their beer the same way. It creates a lot of potential roadblocks for the brewery, but additionally, I think it, to a lot of consumers, it's a turnoff because, you know, again, the it's tough enough to figure out what beer you want when you have some creative name, but it doesn't really talk about what it is. Sure. Or it's
1: like in tiny little print at the bottom of the can, right. and there's all this pretty pictures and that's what someone we were talking to recently on the show was said like, Oh, none of these cans would have flown 20 years ago. Like they are, they look like children's candy. There's no way that these, right. Were. But that's, you have to do something to have it stand out on the shelf. Yeah.
3: In, interestingly enough, we're looking at the packaging strategy and there, there's so many graphic artists that are doing wonderful work in the craft beer industry right now, where if you look at, uh, any, uh, refrigerator or shelf space at any kind of craft beer specialty shop I mean it's like a Jackson Pollock painting it's just like there's just it's all over the place there's just like so much color and and artwork and everything Um, so we took a look at that and we said maybe we'll just maybe we'll while they're zigging we'll zag and and we'll um, we'll have our beer it just says this is a hazy IPA
4: and that's, <laughs> that's what, what it
1: looks like on the shelf instead of i mean main beer company has done that and they've been very successful yeah. everything yes. from their uh, bottles of beer to their tap room is stark this is what it is yeah. no questions asked we're not going to spend the money on this other crap we're going to give it to the environment instead i love their that's minimalistic what design yeah and,
3: i'm a big fan of that
0: and uh, russian river brewing companies the exact same way they pick their name and it's been the same for 20 years yeah. And, and I'm, you know, I'm a big fan of, of both of
3: those, both of those breweries and both of their uh, packaging strategies. This is a fluid thing, so it will change over time. But, you know, we're, yeah. we're, we're trying to figure out the right lane to have some success in. And, and actually we're seeing so that the, the, the knee jerk reaction is like, well, we, we got to have a better, better artwork or something, you know, like we got to get a better graphic designer to do more colorful artwork and more flowers and colors and this and that. And, and we're looking at it and like, well,
0: actually, there's a lot of that we, out there. I don't, do I, yeah, I don't yeah, I don't, like. You it, can almost go if, back to the beginning. If we and really want
3: to stand out, maybe we want to, maybe we want to go the other direction and just make very clear packaging. Make or, it
1: a silver can oh, with the name yeah. of the beer on
3: we, it. We're such a new business that we, um, we have to really, you know, uh, of course try to find clever ways to stand yeah. out you're, on the You're shelf. fighting for shelf
0: space. I get it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm.
1: So with all those beers that you're making, we've tasted several today, we know that sometimes you're sweeping up, sometimes you're serving beer, sometimes you're making beer, sometimes I would assume you're probably taking the weeds out around the fire pits. End of a long day, what is it that you're pouring yourself a glass at?
3: Oh, well, I'm an IPA guy myself, so I usually go to whatever the IPAs are. Excellent. Um, yeah, Just because, I mean... I- I feel like I never get burnt out on IPAs. I don't know why, but like I could just guzzle them all day. Um, but
1: Derek has no idea what you're talking about. <laughs> He's never i never an IPA.
0: And for all our listeners that think I'm just a hophead, I love all beer. But there's just something comforting about an IPA. Like, yeah, I like them. I think once your palate gets adjusted to it. It's, it's just like just your best it, friend. Yeah, you it's like It knows long. all your dark secrets and you just enjoy it at the end of a long day. Am I getting too philosophical about IPAs?
1: No, I think we're learning a lot about you. Okay,
4: so. <laughs> yeah, I have a lot of
3: issues. Okay, as a brewer here, there is a, a, a analytical side to the drinking also, which is just kind of comes with the territory. So sometimes, you know, when I'm drinking, when I when we're done for the day, um, well. I'll put it this way: There's there's the the brewer side of it, and then there's the general manager side of it. So sometimes I'm just drinking whatever we have the most of because I don't want to be the guy that like kicks the last keg of this great beer <laughs> that right? one of your customers <laughs> that, wants. We yeah. that we could have that uh, yeah, we could have sold eight bucks a glass. Right? Yeah. So there's an operational you know aspect to that, um, but then there's also uh, a, a a brewer side of that where. If I'm going to go drink a beer off of our tap, I'm probably going to, I'm going to look at like what that beer is, the date that it was packaged, and I'm going to try it out and I'm going to see like, is this, does this beer still hold up? Are, are the flavors diminishing? I'm, I'm I'm taking an analytical approach. to So this. you're
0: always working even when the day is over and you're about yeah. to head home. Yeah, there
1: is no end of day
3: beer. There's, yeah.
1: What can I learn like from how, this end of day yeah. beer?
3: Like how is this? session ale pouring. Is it, is it still tasting good? Is the hop character, has it started to fade? Is it still tasting okay? Um, that, that kind of thing. Um, so, drinking beer... <laughs> Has become a whole analytical exercise for me, unfortunately. Uh, well, or I mean, I, fortunately or unfortunately, it's a how it, 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 you, you have how to do you do look at it. On the on one side, I get to drink a bunch of beer. On the other side, like I'm just like scrutinizing. Mm, we could have like uh, we could have done a little more hops on this. Could have done this or that. Um, so it's just a, it's just different. It's just a different experience than just, uh, kicking back and drinking a beer for fun.
1: Is there an option because of the specialized property that you're on that at the end of the day, rather than having a beer, you can go for a horse ride? (laughs) <laughs> I, like, you know what?
2: Like,
3: I probably could. Uh, so the owners, um, their family, uh, they 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 personally have multiple horses uh, in the in the horse barn. Up you might here. want to start thinking about that, yeah. like a way Actually, to relax. I, just good. yeah, I'll tell you what the 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 most beneficial thing has been is that I I take my kids over there every once in a while and they get to see the horses they get to feed the horses they get to pet the horses and and every once in a while they get to you know take a little ride on the horses and that's really that's really special for them um because i want my family to be involved dad has to work all the time so if dad has to work all the time every once in a while it's beneficial if like they can come over and 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 hang out while dad is working and part of that hangout is like oh you know you get to enjoy uh the horses on the property they really get a kick out of that and that that's that's very, that, that's I did very get the me.
1: impression that dad is working all the time because I'm not confident that you knew we were doing this interview until about five emails after you were committed to do this email. I knew I knew we were doing
3: it. Yeah. Well, it was on my radar. I just didn't get a chance to, 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 respond,
1: but it was like, yes, he's available. He's definitely available. And then a few emails later you were like, Hey, how you doing? So. We uh,
3: don't feel bad. We talked about it and, and, and I knew it's just, uh, I, I didn't get a chance to respond to the emails, but I had it. I had it well, blocked off on on the schedule and everything and
0: I appreciate you guys coming this has been a great conversation absolutely and as we transition from Lost Barrel specifically to uh, what we always talk about Loudoun County generally uh, as we wrap up the interview we touched on a lot of this earlier I think talking about the uniqueness of this property let's let's quickly talk about uh, I think the uniqueness generally of Loudoun County Brewery scene all of these breweries that are popping up and Lost Barrel specifically, perfect example of this, they're becoming a destination unto themselves. It's definitely a destination business. And there
3: is a, a, a tourism aspect to all of our businesses. When I say all of our businesses, I mean all the breweries in Loudoun County, because I, think about where we're situated. We're, we're on the outskirts of the DC metropolitan area right there's there's no it's no secret that you know there's a housing boom out here because we're ju- kind of just close enough to DC where you could commute in but we're just far enough where you're on the the, the line of of that
0: kind of rural you still um, see some grass space. and trees yeah, you've
1: escaped exactly. the city when you come out here it's not yeah. that long a drive and you you're not in Tysons corner or somewhere with skyscrapers surrounding you
3: absolutely that is that's that is right where 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 we're at and so a lot of the breweries out here benefit from, from that greater metropolitan area deciding to take a weekend trip out to the county. We're right in that lane. And, and we, we love that lane. That's a, it's a great lane to be in. And we encourage people to you know come out, come out, come out to the county for a day, escape the city, escape the suburban sprawl, come hang out on the farm for a little bit, you can breathe a little bit easier. We've got plenty of space. You can spread out and, and relax and be safe. Even, I mean, I know the COVID restrictions are easing. We're very fortunate that, you know, there's lots of vaccinations going on and that those things are now starting to, those restric- restrictions are starting to relax in a significant way. But we even without that, like we have lots of space for people to spread out, be safe, be comfortable. And so we encourage people, like, come out to the county for the day. And it's not just for us, I mean, we have a responsibility to the community here to, to, to be a contributing member to the agricultural tourism business. So as we draw people out, it benefits the entire community. People go through town and then they visit the antique shops and the local grocery store and the local deli and the, um, you know, uh, the local cidery and some of the local wineries there is a whole uh, ripple effect of bringing people out here that that helps the entire community stay um stay afloat you know and a lot of these folks are they're they're trying to they're trying to come out of like you know covid times and
0: they're they're, they're hurting to to stay afloat right now and for our listeners that have not had a chance to come out the lost barrel in the seven months they've been open highly recommend it uh we mentioned all fair the property here is a a little over 70 acres. About 10 acres of that has been cut off for the brewery. Uh, the, the brand new facility here, as we mentioned earlier, it, it's absolutely massive. I would call it probably like modern farmhouse style. Yeah. Um, it's a beautiful, beautiful space tons of room indoor with these separate uh, spaces you can reserve but also outdoors there's dozens and dozens if not hundreds of adirondacks around fire pits <laughs> there's a beer garden there's a separate building uh, with some outdoor space and there's plenty of room to roam so you've got uh you know seven or eight or nine cleared acres here to just wander around and drink your delicious beer and have a good day with a family yeah uh, yeah couldn't have said it better myself see there you go see it was perfect again jeff
1: so so we know uh, first of all not perfect uh perfect description not perfect person he has a hard time with that in our podcast episodes uh, occasionally i was once
0: told i was perfect so i was not he was not
1: it comes up often um but we know that uh this is obviously a great place to visit, Loudoun County, a great place to visit for beer, for wine, for a variety of relaxation things. You want to go to a cute little bed and breakfast. As we we both, today when we got here, we got out of the car and he was like, have you ever been to Middleburg before? And I was like, no, it's a super cute little town. <laughs> it is. Like yeah. there's, I mean, it would be definitely a destination. Stay there, stay at a bed and breakfast, come here, come mm-hmm. to whatever other businesses you want. Other than here, are there places that you have traveled in the US that you think people should go to experience the beer culture or the beer there? Oh, gosh.
3: i've been to a number of places well i mean if you ever go out to colorado that's like craft beer mecca i mean i probably don't have to tell you guys that that's a great place to go uh they got a craft beer brewery on every corner out there and like really bootstrap operations like their bootstrap operations is like a 15 barrel craft beer brewery (laughs) right that's crazy um and so that's that's a great area um but i also um i'm a big fan of um south carolina actually and like uh especially Charleston South Carolina
0: oh I'm um, getting a Charleston shout yeah. out it's
3: underrated beer scene it is I, I think it's an underrated beer scene and and it so near and dear to my heart is like the craft beer scene plus the um, the experience, the right? food scene in Charleston is, and the, the seafood oh. scene is amazing. So I think that's a wonderful area to check out. Um, not just super cheap air, flights just-
1: from here in the DC area too. Usually you can pop down there for seventy-five to one hundred and twenty-five dollars. Yeah. It's, I mean, it, it's yeah, and
3: and easy um, to get to. And the, the, the third one on my list, surprisingly, is, is kind of like the central New Jersey area. I know that may sound like a little strange, but um, I actually grew up in central New Jersey, well, I was born in central New Jersey. And um, my family moved down to Virginia when I was very young, but I still have like a little bit of family up there. Central New Jersey, it actually has a lot of farmland and they actually have a lot of farm breweries there. It's similar kind of setup, similar vibe, similar um, mantra that, that we have. And it's a very cool area. Like one um, one brewery there in particular is called Source Farmhouse Brewery. They're like a wonderful uh, operation there. Um, I think there's a misconception for folks that are you know here that like New Jersey is just you know an offshoot of New York, and it's just you know there's no uh, rural land there. But in central New Jersey, there's actually a lot of rural area, and and some of it is similar to here as far as like horse country and, and things like that. And they've got a really uh, emerging scene there also. Uh, which is really cool and so those are kind of the the, the ones that come to the top of my mind
1: there was a brewery that I tried to go to uh, had to be a couple years ago now I was headed up for a a soccer game a US soccer game in uh, Newark and I was driving up because I was the best way for me to get there that day because we had just had a huge I want to say hurricane but there were power outages all over and I was like fine I'll drive then I was supposed to fly but the flight had gotten canceled and I was like oh I'll drive up but I'm gonna stop at this and it was it was Troon Brewing which I Mm -hmm. have not looked into since then but I, w- I had heard about it, someone had said it was amazing, I was like, I'm going to go there, and I pulled in, and they were closed, because they oh, didn't no. have power, and I was like,
4: no! <laughs>
1: this was my halfway spot! And I was so sad, uh, so I still have not made it there, but that's, that's one of those Central Jersey like big brewing operations that yeah. someday, someday I'll yeah. get there.
3: They do have some good brew- brewing operations uh, up there. Um, so. <laughs> actually funny funny you mentioned like the power outages we had a storm here not that long ago knocked down trees all over the place and power was out all over town we have a very good backup system here um to 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 the degree of like we were the only place open in town for for a little while when, when we had like a massive power outage in the in the general
1: area you know like trees going down knocking down power lines that kind of thing um so I assume, having seen the property here, you have like a generator room that oh, it's massive. <laughs> yes, it, it, it will run the whole facility. Now it sucks down propane, but it will run the whole facility.
3: Um, it, in fact, we could run our tap room and our kitchen, and we we could brew beer. And back, like it, it, it will literally run everything. Um, now, we don't like it to because we'd rather not be yeah. <laughs> on, on, on generator backup power. Um, but uh, we have designed the place so that if they're we're in the county, you know, things happen. Things so, happen. Yeah. So,
1: Trune Brewing, if you're listening,
0: maybe a generator system <laughs> would be nice.
1: So next time I show up, there's not just a note on the door that says I can't have any beer.
0: I think when we said earlier you should leave reviews for beer. Uh, beers and breweries I don't know if we're talking about the I went there like four or five years ago and I might come again I don't know if they're gonna yeah I, didn't, I don't know if I they're I gonna read leave that a
1: review I felt like that probably wasn't their fault since <laughs> they're probably not gonna read yeah,
0: yeah they're probably not gonna read that review of we should get a generator and think hmm well in the off chance that Jeff comes back once in his life I think we yeah, should buy a generator and there's also a hurricane
4: <laughs> and the power's gone out <laughs> he's, he's probably gonna get on that yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> got that generator yet guys oh man we can dream can't we we can dream um any great spots that you've been to internationally whether for beer or not for beer we we've started putting it as um is there anywhere in the world that you feel like people need to see in the world in yeah in in the world in general (sighs) that
3: is a tough one because i haven't done a lot of international travel lately just because of like you know covid restrictions and things like that um I know that uh, just from traveling to italy that italy has a emerging craft beer scene that is like comparable to the u.s emerging craft beer scene and everybody thinks of like france and italy and that part of europe as their wine They're, that's that's their bread and butter um, but they actually have an incredible craft beer scene that's emerging over there um but i i mean i'm i've been back there and it's been, it been didn't go anywhere or so. yeah, <laughs> yeah it's been probably 10, ten years since it since They did probably didn't
1: stop brewing beer when yeah. you haven't been but, there
3: um, you know m- more um, uh, close to home I know that in Puerto Rico uh, there is also an emerging craft beer scene there and a lot of that information I've gotten through our manufacturing partners um, who manufactured our brew house and the the you know the service technicians and things like that that have spent time in um in Puerto Rico, installing similar systems for craft beer breweries down there, and they are very excited about the kind of craft beer that is coming out of uh, out of that area. Um, to the point where they're like, you know, these guys have a lot of passion. They work their ass off. They're you know they're they have to ship in most of their ingredients, but they're producing really high quality craft beer. And you, you kind of think of the. You know the islands as you as you get into central and south america as as it's just you know it's a lot of light beer right it's it's a lot of like light loggers and things like that but they're trying to bring craft beer to that area and they're doing uh, an exceptional job so even in places as close as puerto rico you're starting to see like really um
0: uh, uh, awesome craft beer operations start to emerge and that's really good to hear because uh my wife and i have spent a lot of time in the usvi In the last ten years, and uh, there is a St. John Brewer on St. John, but uh, despite the name, it is brewed on the mainland and shipped down to be labeled as St. John Brewery. So, you know, by the time it gets back on island, it's several weeks old. And as we all know, you know, there's a reason we say drink beer fresh. Right. Yeah, fresh beer is good beer. So by the time it's shipped down or flown down in a in a hot Hot ship, it's, you know, a couple weeks is a big deal. Yeah, these guys are trying to do it right. Like their brewing operation is
3: in Puerto Rico. Now they are shipping in a lot of their ingredients. I mean, they're sourcing locally wherever they can, but I mean, there's just not a lot there. And I think
1: we have a, a friend of the podcast, Eric Coleman, who runs Beer by Coleman up in New York, but he does a lot of consulting with places all over the world. And he says the three questions he asks are, can you get grain shipped in? Can you get hops shipped in? Right. Do you have clean water? And if those three questions are answered, you can have a brewery. You can brew beer. Yeah. So that's a, I mean, like it, that's the it, low bar to it, hit. It sounds simple, but if you're in Puerto Rico,
3: yeah, those are tough questions to answer because. Or he's
1: been dealing with some breweries on small islands in Indonesia. Like, yeah. can you get those things? So and we have supply chain issues here in the
3: states, and we're we are firmly fixed. In the middle of the mid-atlantic pipeline that is i-81 and i-95 right and we still have supply chain issues here we have supply chain issues getting grain we have supply chain issues getting cans we have supply chain issues for all kinds of things coming out of covid because you know, it was a perfect storm um manufacturing goes down because people are you know manufacturing operations are dealing with their folks Uh, you know, people are getting COVID They're they're calling out of work. The manufacturing goes down at the same time supply goes up because people are drinking more beer because they're at home more. Everybody wants to can
1: more because they need
3: to distribute because they have all this beer. Yeah. Perfect storm. So imagine what the, you know, folks that are offshore, like down in, in, um, the Dominican Republic, down in central America, down in the Caribbean, down in Puerto Rico, like, like imagine the supply chain issues they're dealing with. So they're, they're doing their best down there. Um, but uh, they have some really good operations, and they're, they're, they're figuring it out. And they're, they're brewing that beer there, and they, they have a lot of passion. And, and that I, I would say that, that would be a cool place to check out. Um, you can go there. I think you can go there now. At, like as a U.S. citizen, you can just kind of fly in and fly out, right? I mean, it's not like international travel yeah. because they're
0: a U.S. province. And I would like to point out that as we wrap up this interview, Jeff mentioned that if you have – uh, if you can ship in grains, you can ship in hops, and you have clean beer, you can brew beer. However, clean not, water. Uh, sorry, clean water. Yes, uh, if you if you have clean water, you can brew beer. Uh, let's not forget the fourth and possibly most important factor. Not to not to, you know. M- maximize our potential, but you need quality control, Jeff. <laughs> right. uh, without quality, quality control, control, control you cannot yes. can yeah. brew good beer. Taste so. testers are so very if important. you're
1: looking to do that and you need some help with quality control, pop over to the website, send us an email, let us know. We are happy to travel as things are opening up. We are booking tickets left and right, every podcast. We're talking about where we're gonna go and I think I, I have been to Italy, but I concentrated mostly on pizza, and I think I might need to go back and look at the craft beer scene. Uh, Puerto Rico, my wife has a trip there in the fall without me, sadly, but it, it's only a matter of time until I head down there, and so, some great recommendations of places that we had not heard before. It's always interesting to see people's different views. Sure. As we close up here, let us know where people can find Lost Barrel. Where can they find you on social media? Where can they find the brewery on social media, website, physical location, run through all that real quick.
3: Okay, so we are, um, we're in Middleburg, Virginia. We're about one mile west of the town of Middleburg on Route 50, if you're you're heading west. Um, So that is where our physical location is. Uh, You can find us if you, you know, Google map, uh, any kind of internet search, you'll find our our location. If you are searching online for, uh, you know, more information about us, we post a lot to social media, um, our social media handles are at Lost Barrel Brew on Instagram and on Facebook, and we have a uh, you know uh, what do you call it like an email uh, list that you can sign up for on our on our website, and th- those are all great ways to just get information about what we're doing, new things that we're releasing, special events that we're having, live music, etc
1: and we've had a a few beers here we i'm not going to say we didn't have a picture of the ipa after we finished our (laughs) samplers here during the second half of the podcast but we drank a few beers uh we've seen the property i'm excited now you should be opening up as we're finishing up this interview uh excited to see it in action a little bit you've got the euro soccer match on the tv downstairs i said i might move in here i'm not sure if my wife will like that but If you are in the DC area, even if you're farther away, and you can come visit Lost Barrel Brewing here in Loudoun County, there's plenty of breweries, plenty of wineries, plenty of antique shops, plenty of things to do in this area. Definitely a destination. You could easily spend a long weekend, even a week here, exploring the different things, doing some hiking definitely put Lost Barrel on your list. They may be very new, but they certainly know what they're doing. They're producing great beers, and this property is just something that you should see. So thank you so much for being with us today, especially with the last minute uh, jump in for the interview. It's been a wonderful interview. Great talking to you today. Oh, it's
3: great talking to you guys, too. And and Jeff and Derek, I, i appreciate you guys coming out here um and you know for your listeners like we, we hope that you um you know hear this and, and decide to you know come out and, and, and give us a try but that that's what it's all about we would love to host you um we, we'd love to give you a great experience out here great conversation really appreciate talking to you guys and um appreciate you setting this up for us
0: thanks for your time
3: all right nice meeting you
1: Such a great conversation with Patrick there, and honestly the facility that they have there at Lost Barrel Brewing is absolutely amazing, especially for a craft brewery that has just started. I can't wait to go back, we had some food, we had some beers, I can't wait to go back with the family and enjoy a day there. But now, Derek, it's time to get up to date with what's going on in the travel rewards world, and we're going to start where we always start, with credit cards and Chase.
0: Yeah, you know, the only thing that beats visiting an awesome brewery that has awesome beer, awesome food, and a great place to hang out is using a brand new credit card with a sign-up bonus. With Chase, we've been talking about now, I guess, Jeff, for two months, uh, roughly. The 100,000-point uh, Chase Sapphire Preferred offer still around. We don't know how long it will last. It is still going strong. All-time high offer, 100,000 points for $4,000 spend in three months. Annual fee, $95. The show does have links for that if you want to support Miles and Pints. If you want to have that annual fee waived for the first year and you have a Chase branch locally, you can go in branch and apply for the card and that annual fee would be waived. But if you don't have a Chase branch or so you don't have time to go in, uh, we'd love you to support the show if you apply for that Chase Sapphire Preferred.
1: And it's big news. You hear about it week after week from us because it is the number one card that people, that most people in the miles and points world recommend that new people start with is that Chase Sapphire Preferred, and this is the highest bonus we've ever seen on it. So if you're just getting started, great card to pick up. If your brother, sister, player two, mother, father, someone needs to get started in earning miles and points, have them pick up one of these cards at this time. It's a high offer. It's a great offer. We highly, highly recommend it. But that's not all the news from Chase this week, right?
0: Yeah, so it's not every day that Chase or any other major transferable currency, adds a new transfer partner, Jeff, but that's exactly what happened this week. It was announced previously that Aeroplan, the loyalty program of Air Canada, was joining Ultimate Rewards, but until this week, you were not able to transfer your Ultimate Rewards over to Aeroplan and use your Chase Ultimate Rewards earned from your Chase Sapphire Preferred or other cards to book flights with AeroPlan that is now official. You can do it. You can take advantage of the AeroPlan program. It's the first airline that Chase has added since they lost Korean Air. I believe that was in was that 18 or 19, Jeff? I think it might have been late yeah, 18 it was at least a couple of years ago. Yeah. Chase Loyalist and a bunch of the points and miles OGs uh, really, really disappointed when we lost Korean SkyPass. Uh, we've been waiting for a really good new transfer partner for Chase for for years now. Uh, it's now here, uh, Jeff. I absolutely love the Aeroplan program. I know you do as well. You can talk a little more about that. But I think a a big piece here to talk about is Aeroplan was already a transfer partner of Amex. Capital One and Marriott, so this now gives you another transferable currency. You can really pull your points from multiple programs, from Player One and from Player Two. You can send a bunch of points from a bunch of different places to Aeroplan and book those flights to Dream Destinations.
1: And that's what I love about this move from Chase. It's not that this is an airline that is unique that is going to set them apart and make people say, oh, I need to earn that because it's the only place that I can transfer to Aeroplan, but it adds another thing on. So if you're collecting many different currencies and you want to book that big-ticket award or you want to book awards for several people at the same time, then you have the option to send points in from multiple places, and Chase now added into that list. And Aeroplan is... It's a program that sometimes you hate and sometimes you love, but a lot of times it's the best option because they may not pass along fuel surcharges in some cases. They may have the lowest award rates in some cases, and in some other cases they may just be the only Star Alliance partner that can see the award space. So Aeroplan is a great option, definitely something you want to look at when you're booking Star
0: Alliance awards, and I love this
1: move and love to see this from Chase.
0: Yeah, and uh, for those that aren't in Travelon Points on Facebook, uh, you missed the announcement this week. Actually, just before this news came from Chase, I took advantage of the Aeroplan program this week. Uh, the Aeroplan is a partner um, with uh, Etihad, and I booked Etihad first to return from Rome. Uh, for a, a massive birthday trip next year, redoing my 40th that was canceled this year, um, flying Rome to Abu Dhabi to to Dallas uh, in Etihad First, 130,000 Aeroplan points and around 106 bucks. So for a $10,000 one-way ticket, not bad at all, Jeff.
1: No, not bad at all, and I think we all just now have to hope that it isn't you booking this birthday trip that is cursing the world, and that you will actually be able to take it next year when you when you have it booked now.
0: That's, that's a very valid point, and if I have to cancel that one, I'm going to be bawling because it's not fair, and I want to go, as a lot of people do for their very important trips also. And Jeff... Big news, obviously, in the Chase world, 100,000-point Chase Sapphire Preferred offer, new transfer partner with Aeroplan this week, but we also have another big offer and big news we've been talking about for a couple of weeks, and that's with Citi.
1: Yes, the Citi Premier Card, 80,000-point, another highest-ever offer, welcome offer, is available And the first week, we said this is really hard to get approved for. The second week, we said there might be a little bit of hope. This week, we're seeing a lot more approvals rolling in. So they loosened something up in their approval process. They changed an algorithm. I don't know what they did, but a lot of people getting approved instantly, a lot of people getting approved on reconsideration calls. This is a great offer. And if you were thinking about it and hesitant because people weren't getting approved, I say go for it now because we're seeing a lot more approvals rolling in including myself i got my new card this week just before this trip and i've been doing some spending up here in vermont this week um, trying to get uh, that initial spend knocked out on that card gonna call about chrissy's reconsideration when we get back because i did manage to put some spending on some of her other cards so when they pull that credit report again they'll see that and hopefully that'll get her an approval
0: yeah, and I said many, many times uh, before this offer rolled in that I thought the City Premier was the most uh, two things was the most underrated card on the market. People just forget about it, and they forget about thank you points. I also think it's the best card on the market for an annual fee under a hundred dollars. Uh, obviously, the Sign-up bonus going from 60,000 to 80,000 points only adds to both of those. This continues to be the most underrated card on the market, period. It also continues to be the best credit card on the market under $100 annual fee. 80,000 points after you hit the spin. I talked about it a few weeks ago. Think about this. You want to go to Europe? You want to go to Europe in class and fly business? If you spend the entire minimum spend of $4,000 at gas stations or grocery stores at 3X, you would have enough points from that one sign-up bonus to fly round-trip business to Europe on Turkish Airlines. It doesn't get much better than that, Jeff.
1: It does not. And if you're thinking, but I want to go with my significant other or with my friend, have them grab one of those cards too. Both of you fly business class. Exactly. Be a beautiful thing. Just a quick reminder, when we mentioned that... Aeroplan is not a, a single program that's gonna set Chase apart. City did set themselves apart by announcing a limited time transfer to American Air. So if you want to fly American and use those city points there, your city thank you points with American, you have a few months to get that sign-up bonus and then get those transferred. At least through the fall, we're hoping that is gonna stick around as the transfer to American Air is limited time only right now.
0: Yep. That's a great, great point. So many good uses for thank you points. I still do not understand why it's such an ignored currency by most people in the miles and points world. If you are over 524, this card should be your next card. Um, If you are not a person that opens a bunch of cards and 524 will never be a concern because you would never open that many cards, This should probably be the next card for you after a Chase Sapphire Preferred. I honestly believe that. You need to spend some time figuring out thank you points. They are invaluable. 15,000 thank you points will get you... Business class all the way to Hawaii, so uh, you could fly uh, three round trips to Hawaii in business if you can find availability on United uh, from this sign-up bonus and an extra 10,000 points. So three round trips, business to Hawaii, doesn't get much better than that. So take a look at the city premiere and that awesome 80,000-point sign-up bonus.
1: And Derek, I just realized that we missed one big news thing on Chase that we were going to talk about, and that uh, goes along with them adding Aeroplan, but they're going to add an Aeroplan credit card coming this fall.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah. We we, we were so excited. I know. I was so excited
1: about the city thank you points that I, I completely skipped over that. Yeah. But this is, it's interesting for a couple reasons, because usually we find out about a credit card when they launch the credit card, and maybe some of us that are in the space and in in the press find out ahead of time so that we can get things written up about it. But they're giving us a couple months' notice and saying, hey, this card is coming, get excited about it. So we don't know many details about this new Aeroplan Chase card. But uh, if you add your name to the waitlist for more information about it, they are giving a 10,000-point bonus for having your name on that waitlist. So even if you're not sure if you're going to want it, go sign up for the waitlist.
0: Exactly. And uh, like you said, Jeff, we know as much as our listeners do about this card right now. Other other than it's going to be a co-branded Aeroplan card that's backed by Chase, we know zippy we don't know what the annual fee will be what the earning structure will be what the signup bonus will be i saw a rumor today 130,000 points for three grand spend that seems really really high to me uh so it's just pure speculation at this point but um it's really cool number one to see a new transfer partner and it's always really fun to see a brand new credit card um It'll probably be subject to Chase's 524 rule, as it seems uh, everything uh, Chase issues now is subject to that rule.
1: I was just going to say that's the only thing that we know for sure. We'll we'll almost definitely be subject to
0: the 524 rule. Right. But if you're fortunate enough to be under 524 when this card uh, is released... Go ahead and put yourself to the wait list, and whatever that sign-up bonus is, you will be entitled to a 10,000-point bonus in addition to the sign-up upon card approval. So really exciting news from Air Canada, Aeroplan, and Chase this week
1: and Amex doesn't want to be left out. They don't have a stunningly huge offer, but they have given a sign-up bonus on the Blue Business Plus card, which oftentimes there is no bonus, no welcome offer at all on that card. And now they have a 15,000 point offer for $3,000 in spend in 3 months. And you may be thinking that's not a very high bonus. But it is a business card, so a lot of times the spend is higher on those, and the bonuses might not be as good. But there is no annual fee on this card, and you get 2x earning on up to 50,000 in spend each year. So if you put some of your non-bonus anywhere else spend on this card, you can earn up to 100,000 membership rewards points each year on the, those miscellaneous purchases that wouldn't be earning multipliers anywhere else. So it's a great card. I have one, my wife has one for our businesses. It's a card I love and it's if you can add in a welcome offer on that card that you would already want. It's one that you can keep with no annual fee forever and ever and ever.
0: Exactly. And you know, for those of us that love award travel and love maximizing credit card rewards, it's not very often we you know, we sign up for cards with small bonuses. Uh, or we recommend signing up for cards with no bonuses. I recommend signing up for this card a lot of times when there is no bonus. Um, it, like you said, it's a it's a long term keeper and it has no annual fee. It's the best uh, card, the best Amex card for everyday spend. Like you mentioned, two x up to fifty grand per year. I recommend everyone have one that is eligible for a business card. So the fact that they now have a fifteen thousand point public offer it's a no-brainer and you can support the podcast if you're considering getting that card so awesome card anyone eligible for a business card uh, should look at that fifteen thousand and 2x on your spend
1: and we should note that if you get that card since it is a business card that also will not count against your 524 it sits on your business profile and not on your personal credit profile so not something that you have to worry about if you're trying to stay under 524.
0: Yep, great point. And with that, we will move to our last news of this week's update about credit cards. We have a uh, sleeper pick here, Jeff. U.S. Bank. I know you all are getting sick and tired of hearing us... Drone on about U.S. Bank week after week. I'm kidding. I don't know if we've ever spoken about them. Uh, But they came out with a brand new card offer this week. Uh, And this card is a tongue twister, Jeff. The U.S. Bank Triple Cash Rewards. I think it's actually the World Elite MasterCard. Um, We'll just call it the Triple Cash, I guess, uh, to compete with the City Double Cash. Uh, It is a business card. It offers a $500 cash bonus after a $4,500 spend in 150 days, so almost five full months to hit that $4,500 spend. Like the last card we mentioned, it is a no annual fee card, so probably, again, a long-term keeper, and it has really good cashback categories, Jeff, uh, as we always mention. If you're those people that like spending time at certain places, 3% cashback at gas stations, office supply stores, cell phone providers, and restaurants. What's your thoughts?
1: I think this is a good, seeing those 3% categories automatically makes me think of the City Premier, and they're different categories than the City Premier, so I think those two would pair great together, and you get 3X at a ton of places. So this being a no annual fee card, again, it's similar to that Blue Business Plus we just talked about, If you can pick it up and it's a card you can just keep forever and keep earning rewards and get that 3% spend at gas stations, office supply stores, cell phone providers, and restaurants, even if you're not going and buying things that are made of plastic and rectangular at gas stations and office supply stores, 3% back on your gas purchases is a pretty good deal. Agreed. 3% back on your office supply purchases if you're a business is a pretty good deal. I mean, it's not as good as the 5% back or the 5x returns on the ink cards, but it's still, I mean, this is a card with no annual fee worth having sitting around and you can use it a little bit. I like to see US bank getting into this. It's I mean it's a little bit of US bank being US bank in that it's a forty five hundred dollar spend in a hundred and fifty days. I don't know if they just wanted to be different than everyone else, but we usually see three thousand or five thousand spend or four thousand spend. They're like, no, forty five hundred and we see three months or six months and they're like, We'll call it a hundred and fifty days. Yeah.
0: At least they didn't break it down in hours. <laughs>
1: yeah. <it's... laughs> It's just weird, and I, I actually thought maybe that was a typo. <laughs> I was like, really? Uh-huh. But who knows? But that's not the main part of the card. The main part of the card is that you get the 3X back at those four different categories. It's a 3X and no annual fee is a winner in my book, any way you look at it.
0: Yeah, agreed. And again, you know, this is not a card for everyone. If you have limited bandwidth at gas stations, office supply stores, uh, and and especially those two categories, you should probably look elsewhere. An MX Biz Gold, uh, a Chasing Cash, or a City Premier, or all of those. If you are a, a creative spender, um, and you are spending a lot of time and a lot of money at at gas stations and office supply stores it's definitely a card you want to look at no annual fee it could really fill in the gaps where you uh, after you hit your 25k annual spend threshold on the chasing cash Uh, this is this is another good one like the um, the bank of america uh, biz Cash Rewards, I think, uh, that also has 3X or 3% cash back at office supply stores. This one could really fill in the gap there. And plus, $500 cash bonus, nothing to sneeze at, especially when you have uh, five months to hit that spend. So pretty good, pretty good card, pretty good offer. And if you do have bandwidth to spend a lot of money at gas stations and office supply stores, I'd take a look.
1: Yeah, I'll take $500 any day. If anyone exactly. wants to send me $500, I'll take it. I'm happy to get it. If I need to pick <laughs> up a new credit card to get it, I'll do that too.
0: Uh, as Jeff waves his hand for tips, hey, hey, send me some money, please.
1: Thank you. Thank that would you. be a lovely. <laughs> And that's all we have for credit cards for these updates. We don't really have any major news in hotels. They've been kind of boring the past couple of weeks, or we just completely missed it and forgot about it. Either way, we're not going to talk much about hotels. I will say one thing because I'm a little bit bitter, and that is the um, Moxie Hotel in Dublin, Ireland, has, I believe, the worst hotel bed on the planet. It was like lying on a sheet of plywood and I would not at all recommend that hotel. I think I woke up with bruises. That bed was so hard. It was awful.
0: So I think, uh, I think Sarah would agree with you. We stayed at the Moxie in Paris, uh, in 2019, I believe 2018 doesn't matter. Um, the day we left, her neck was so stiff she couldn't sit upright on the plane and she kind of leaned at a 45-degree angle the entire plane ride home. So uh, next time you uh, encounter my wife, Sarah, you should, uh, you should ask her that story. But it sounds like it's not just a, a moxie uh, in Ireland problem. It might be an ongoing problem with moxies, at least in Europe.
1: It was odd. It was so bad. I we legitimately pulled back the bedding to see if they had forgotten the mattress and if we were on a box <laughs> spring or some sort of board. It was, it was crazy.
0: Uh, yeah,
1: crazy. Yeah,
0: Adventures you could just be Ireland. getting old too. You never know.
1: Well, I'm definitely getting old, but I still know when a bed feels like a sheet of plywood. <laughs>
0: All right, so that's Jeff's uh, half star review of the Moxie in uh, in Ireland. Yes, the
1: staff was lovely, the decor was lovely. If you like the Moxie brand, bed was awful. The water pressure wasn't very good either. Any way you look at it, we also stayed at the Hyatt Centric, the Hyatt Centric Liberties in Dublin the first night we were there. Highly recommend that hotel. Much more comfortable, much better night's sleep.
0: So there we go, folks. We may be sponsored by Hyatt in the future, but we will never be sponsored by Marriott or the Moxie because Jeff just ripped them on their terrible lack of mattress.
1: I mean, we got bonvoy just a little bit.
0: Well, that always happens. That's why it's a, why it's a hashtag, right?
1: Yeah, yeah, I think so. So <laughs> enough with my hotel rants. Let's go on to airlines, which is just a mess. Airlines are a big, big, big mess. Yeah.
0: So we go from Jeff's personal meltdown to just an operational meltdown of the entire U.S. airspace system this weekend, apparently. Um, bad thunderstorms in Dallas, I believe it was, caused Southwest to have hundreds of flight cancellations. AA had I think, thousands of flight cancellations. And then we hit Monday this week, Jeff, and Spirit basically had a ground stop of all their planes. All of a sudden, planes weren't flying for Spirit. There were airport protest and rioting due to uh, Spirit and a couple other things going on. Not really sure what was happening nationwide, but man, it's been a while since we've seen multiple airlines have complete operational failures at the same time
1: yeah and it's it's one thing when it happens on American or Southwest because they can normally get you on a flight the next day or maybe a couple days out or work things out but Spirit as a low-cost carrier and a limited service carrier to many of those smaller airports if they cancel all the flights out of one of those airports that they only fly to two or three times a week, then all those people need to get on flights. They're not all going to fit on the almost fully booked flight the next time. It might be a week or more before you can get on another flight with Spirit. So that's why people were absolutely losing it when all these cancellations were happening. And it's just when when you're flying with them and a flight gets canceled, you almost need to find your own way to get where you were going. So... Yeah, yeah it's, I, it wasn't pretty this week. It, part of the mess of summer travel that's happening all over the U.S. as travel goes up and we don't really increase our staff or our operations team.
0: Right, and that's like a spoiler alert for another talking point in the, in the future. I would say this just as a kind of a global FYI. While it may be a good idea to fly low-cost carriers, Spirit, Frontier, uh, Allegiant, from time to time you probably want to avoid them when you don't have the option to drive somewhere else so if you're considering flying one of those low-cost carriers fine do it but probably don't do it to islands because there's no other option to get home right spirit
1: uh, spirit you get can't, a nice
0: boat yeah i mean yeah if you have the 500 cater rent a luxury yacht to bring you back to Miami, maybe. But short of that, um, and granted, if you're doing that, you probably should just fly private jet anyway. But short of that, um, probably not a good idea right now to to book, uh, especially a spirit flight to an island. Because when they cancel that flight, like Jeff said, the next flight's probably already full. The one after that may already be full. You don't have the option to drive to another airport to catch another carrier so you are stuck waiting for them to fly you home or paying a lot of money to get on another carrier because award flights will probably be non-existent although you may get lucky so avoid those low-cost carriers to and from islands right now
1: the one time that it might work out is if you actually want to move to that island and then you can get there and then you know you don't have to worry about getting back
0: Yeah, you might have to move there regardless because...
1: (laughs) So I have great solutions today. I have now suggested (laughs) moving to an island and getting a luxury yacht to take you back home. So I'm a problem solver, just not good solutions.
0: Yeah, I'm not sure either of those are uh, reasonable, but I digress. Another interesting um, thing that happened this week, Jeff, is Emirates thinking outside the box, literally, uh, on how to entice people to come visit their home country, they've announced a promotion where you earn Emirates miles for every minute you spend in Dubai. Now, I've never heard of anyone coming up with such a promotion. Uh, It's capped at 5,000 miles, which is nothing to sneeze at, and you could hit that in a little over three days. Um, I think it's like three days and 12 hours, something like that, on the ground in Dubai. Now, I, I will say that... You couldn't do this on a stopover. Um, you wouldn't be able to stay there that long. But if you're planning to do a three-plus-day stay in Dubai, which there's certainly a lot to do there and a lot to see, this is a pretty cool promo, right? I mean, you basically get 5,000 points for doing what you were planning to do anyway.
1: Yeah, I'm super curious how they're going to know that you were in Dubai the whole time. Maybe you'll have to, like, check in on an app regularly or something. But Neat promo. Like you said, we've never seen anyone actually give out miles for not flying, and it is a good way to get some of those tourism dollars coming back to Dubai. So I, I love these out-of-the-box promos like this. I'll register for it. Will I earn those miles? Probably not. I don't have plans to,
0: but you never know. I just think it's funny how you're not just sitting here thinking the government knows where you are at all times anyway. You get that passport stamp to come in, you get that passport stamp to leave, they know exactly how long you're there. Yeah,
1: I guess that's true.
0: Plus, they're watching you the entire time.
1: Unless you have a luxury yacht and you can go off with that. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Second solution of the podcast where I come up with luxury yacht.
0: You flee to Doha so you can uh, hop on a uh, Q Suites flight somewhere. Yeah. Yeah, you're, you're a. You're a problem solver today, Jeff. I don't know.
1: Can you tell that I've been on vacation for two weeks?
0: Yeah, you are like laid back by a pool sipping a rum drink, apparently, because you're just like, ah, I am. nothing I mean, matters. I am,
1: I'm sipping an IPA, and I'm in a uh, little sunroom here at my friend's house in Vermont, but as soon as we're done recording, I will go by the pool and continue sipping my IPA.
0: And and apparently summon your luxury yacht to flee uh, Dubai. Uh, that's what I've taken yep. from this podcast. Okay. Uh, yeah. Well, as we said, interesting promo. You should probably ignore all of Jeff's suggestions for the rest of the podcast because you may get hunted down as an international um, criminal of some sort. Yeah, fugitive on your luxury yacht. Uh, But other than that, we can move to travel, Jeff. And we don't need any more of your advice, but you can tell us what's going on in the world of travel.
1: Travel in the U.S. is picking up quickly. And we've seen it getting more and more passengers on airlines and more and more people taking road trips throughout the summer. But this is a a big milestone. Every Saturday and Sunday in July had over 2 million people through TSA. So 2019, we were at about 2.7 million on Saturdays and Sundays. So we're, I mean, more than two thirds of the way there up to the travel and like i mentioned earlier unfortunately it's with a much lower operational staff in many cases so again be kind to the people who are working they're probably working long shifts they're probably dealing with all sorts of problems especially when these airlines have meltdowns be kind to your hotel staff they're probably working with a skeleton crew of housekeeping they're probably working long shifts also just be kind to everyone. I feel like we say this every week, but we shouldn't have to. Like, if you're traveling, be your best self. And if you're not a good person, be someone else's best self. Yeah. Be nice to the people that you're encountering. They're doing their best to serve you, whether it be in the air, on the ground, at a restaurant. It just, they're dealing with a lot of people now.
0: Yeah, you couldn't have said that any better, I think. and and But the only thing I would add is, in addition to being friendly and nice to everyone, lower your expectations a little bit because, Mm -hmm. you know, over 2 million every Saturday and Sunday in July passing through TSA. We're like you said, we're 75 to 80% or so back to normal, you know, pre COVID and, the experiences now are not going to be like they were then because the staffing's not there and they can't possibly keep up so if you go in just lowering your expectations a little bit number one you won't be disappointed like you might otherwise be but you also won't you know, immediately fly off the handle when things don't go the way you may think. You might have to wait a little longer for your rental car. You might have to wait longer to board the plane. You may not get that drink refill on the one-hour flight you were hoping for. Everybody's trying their best, you know. They want you to have a good experience. You want to have a good experience. Lower your expectations just a little bit, and, and maybe, you know, uh, tempers won't flare, and you'll enjoy your vacation even though there are some bumps along the road you'll have a much more enjoyable experience for you and the people trying to help you out exactly so that's the damper on travel right now you know be nice to everyone and lower your expectations and hopefully everything will go well but the good part of travel is Jeff just had an awesome trip to Ireland and he has some updates for us and a little bit about his experience so glad to have you back Jeff
1: Yes, it's good to be back, and I immediately came back from Ireland, was home for, I think, two days, and I'm now up in Vermont for the week visiting with friends, but I just wanted to give some updates on international travel in general and on travel to Ireland, and the one thing that really struck us that is going to be the key takeaway from this trip is other countries are not doing nearly as well as the U.S. has done with getting people vaccinated. And we talked to a lot of people in Ireland who were our age or younger who had not even had the chance to have a vaccine yet, and it was quite concerning, and I know that they are doing better than a lot of other countries. So remember that when you're traveling, the places you're traveling to, these people that are your staff may not be vaccinated the same way that you are and they may not be as safe as you are against covid and these variants that are coming out that affected a couple of different things in ireland we landed on a friday no we took off on a friday we landed saturday on monday they were supposed to open pubs and restaurants indoors and that actually did go into effect but most places did not open indoors and that was for a couple of reasons we talked to several pub owners who said that their staff wasn't vaccinated so there's no way that they're going to invite people inside when their staff isn't vaccinated We talked to several others who said that the tracking that they're requiring with having to check vaccine cards and having to check the app and write all that down, in addition to the tracking that they have to do for contact tracing for all of their customers, they would have to have two people on the door depending on if people are vaccinated and sitting inside or not vaccinated and sitting out on the patio. And they just couldn't afford to do that. We ran into several places across Ireland, especially in Dublin, where a lot of places that normally would have had food doesn't have their kitchen staff there, because they've only been able to have four or five outdoor tables, and it's not worth paying someone to cook for that low a number of tables, especially when they're not all ordering food. So what we found was, although things were supposed to be opening up, they did not open up much more once we hit that indoor dining available. And many places were closed or had limited service hours still because they were understaffed because of the the lower amount of customers during COVID. So Ireland was open, but not all the way open. When the pubs opened indoors, live music was still banned because they believed that would bring in too large of a crowds. So it's something that we were really excited about seeing was sitting inside at a pub and listening to some live music. We didn't get to see that, but we did see... a ton of outdoor beauty and amazing sights across the country. We rented a car and drove on those teeny tiny little Irish roads, which was terrifying a lot of the time. But we saw lots of the outdoors of Ireland, and I very much look forward to going back again and seeing the inside of a lot of pubs.
0: And again, Jeff, I think your points earlier uh, are both very accurate in this situation. Number one, be nice to everyone. They probably want the places to be open as much as you wanted them, but they're trying to protect themselves, they're trying to protect their employees, and they're trying to protect their customers, so you have to respect that. And then number two, you temper your expectations, right? You could come back and be frustrated you didn't get to see live music, you didn't get to sit inside at pubs and and bars and things, When you try and be nice to others and respectful of others and you temper your expectations, you're coming back and talking about it with a smile on your face, even though it wasn't exactly what you wanted.
1: Yeah, and we got to visit a couple of small brew pubs and we sat outside. It was lovely weather outside. I still got to try some beers. We got to tour Guinness. Did we get to drink in their Gravity Bar on the top floor and look over the city? No, we got to walk through that quickly and see the view and then we had a drink out on their back patio in the parking lot. Was it terrible? No. Was it a really cool experience still? Yes, but it was, like you said, tempering my expectations and knowing what it was gonna be and accepting that. And it was still absolutely amazing to travel internationally and have that week in Ireland and be back in Europe and I can't wait until, I think it's next month now that I'll be going headed back to Europe again assuming that things stay okay and don't get much worse uh, with the Delta variant. Yep.
0: And before we sign off, Jeff, give our listeners just a brief overview of your testing uh, to get back to the United States.
1: Sure. We Ireland is open to vaccinated Americans at this point, so you do not need a test to get over there. We did have to upload our vaccination cards to the Verify app, which is what American Air is using to um, verify your vaccination status, I guess. So we did that and had to show that at boarding, and we had to show our vaccination cards at check-in. We couldn't check in online. So they did verify that we were vaccinated in order to get on the plane to go to Ireland. They didn't really check any of that getting into the country. When it was time to come back, we had taken the Binax home kits or the e-kits with us which we had bought I think my wife bought a six pack of those for $150 through United before her flights to Peru so we still had a few of those left and we simply signed on you create a little account through that and you sign on that you're ready to do your test it was maybe a 10 or 15 minute wait to get um, the person that sits live with you on a video conference and they, you do the test, they walk you right through it, they do it, you wait 15 minutes, then someone comes on, reads your results with you, and then a, the results come to your email and to the app. You can simply screenshot those, and then when it's time to come home, you show that, and that's good enough to get you back into the U.S., assuming that you tested negative.
0: Perfect. That sounds uh, fairly seamless and good for all of our listeners if they're considering going international.
1: Yep. We just did the test in our hotel room the night before our flight. Very easy. I mean, if it had come back positive, it would have been less easy, but we were safe. We were careful. And mostly we did outdoor activities and ate outdoors because that's what was happening when we were there.
0: Perfect. Well, glad to have you back uh, on miles and pints.
1: Yes, it was rough taking a week off and uh, it's nice that we could sneak this in even though I'm still a little bit traveling and we'll sneak it in next week again when you're traveling. So we'll do what we can around our travel schedules now that we're getting back on the road a little bit more. And next week, like I said, we'll be back with more updates of travel credit cards, hotels, and airlines. We'll see you then. Well, we hope you had as much fun listening to Patrick as we did talking to him. Lost Barrel Brewing isn't just the perfect place for your next event of any size. It's also a great spot to stop by for a few pints and a great meal with friends. We love what Patrick and his team are doing out in Middleburg, Virginia, and we can't wait to go back and visit again.
0: Thanks again to our sponsor, Visit Loudon and the Loco L Trail, for helping us get this episode out to you. Without them, we would never have Found some of these amazing breweries like Lost Barrel, b and Dynasty. Be sure to check out our past episodes if those last two don't sound familiar to you.
1: All of the important points and links for things that we talked about during our conversation will be in the show notes, so you can pick up anything that you missed the first time through. The easiest place to find those notes is at milesandpints.com.
0: Thanks so much for listening to Miles and Pints, the Travel and Beer Podcast. If you like what you heard, be sure to subscribe so you can hear all of our new episodes as soon as they're released. Tell your friends and family about us so they can enjoy the show too, and please take a few minutes to leave us a review on your favorite listening platform.
1: In between episodes, you can get more travel and beer content by following at Miles and Pints on Twitter, Instagram, or TikTok. You can also stop by our Facebook page at facebook.com milesandpints.
0: And that's all we have for this episode. Until next time, we hope you'll find yourselves a little bit of travel, a little bit of beer, and a whole lot of fun.